Are you ready to become the top in your field? I'm ready. I'm ready. Welcome to the Tradeswoman Talk Podcast, a show designed for you. One that strives to forge solidarity amongst tradeswomen. For years, this has been predominantly a male-driven industry. However, we are now entering a new era, one where whatever we truly desire can be ours. Like we have been saying for years, jobs don't have genders. On this show, we'll share information with each other as a collective to empower each other. I love being a part of such a great community. Share with us your trade secrets as we share ours with you. It's our time to do more than survive. It's our time to thrive. We're happy to have you here with us on the Tradeswoman Talk Podcast. And now your host of the show, Judeline Cassidy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tradeswoman Talk. My name is Judeline Cassidy. I am the founder of Tools and Tiaras, Inc. and your host for today. Today's guest is Gaviscar Reed. I love this brother and he has changed my life. I started Tools and Tiaras and um, had this notion of having a summer camp and planned it, wrote it, tried to execute it, but I had nowhere to host the summer camp. And as God will have it and the universe has it, he sent me this amazing brother that you're going to hear from. And uh, he not only made the connections for me to reach out to different uh, schools that I can host it, but he actually took the time and drove to the places with me, people, and made sure that I had somewhere to host our summer camp. And if it wasn't for him, we would not have had our very first all girls construction skills summer camp. So I want to say thank you to all the things you have done by always helping me. I appreciate you, brother, and thank you. Without you, there would be no tools and tiaras camp. So thank you so much for saying yes for the podcast and saying yes to helping me. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Judalyn. Um, I feel like I'm always blessed to be involved in anything that you're involved in. You're you're uh, a celebrity to me, so I'm very humbled that I can get to participate in absolutely any initiative you got going on. Yeah, I, I feel the other way around because I have gone to his amazing CTE meetings and that brother could work the room. I mean, you do. I watched you skillfully, masterfully do it. So I want to read a little bit so that I know who he is. He's a handsome, smart, intelligent <laughs> brother that is doing, putting in the work. He's not just about the talk. He's actually putting in the work, helping kids. So I want to read a, a little of his bio and you will be impressed like me, what he's doing. Gavaska Reed serves as an industry engagement manager for the New York City Department of Education, the largest education system in the United States. He is part of the New York City Department of Education Career Technical Education Office, which oversees more than 130 high schools and nearly 300 programs citywide. Gav builds and cultivates partnerships with public and private sector businesses in an effort to support schools that are preparing young people for in-demand careers, namely within automotive, transportation, construction, sustainability, engineering, and architectures industries. He was formerly the program coordinator for Scholars at Work, an internship and workforce development initiative, which 
connect young people and employers throughout New York City. Prior to that, he has taught adult education as well as history, political science, and economics at high school. Gav, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Tradeswoman Talk. We are excited for our community to know about the amazing work you are doing with young adults. So I want us to get acquainted, and I have this segment that I call Five in Five. You have five questions, and you only have two choices. So I know it might be, maybe a choice may not be in there, but you got to choose one. So it's, <laughs> <All right>. five, <laughs> so it's five in five. You ready? Okay, let's do it. All right, he ready. Reggae or Calypso? Reggae. CrossFit or outdoor running? Uh, I would say outdoor running. Wow, I was thinking CrossFit. <laughs> you are entering the stage to do a speech what song would you walk up to? Hmm, that's a good one. Uh, what song would I walk up to? Well, I can't think of anything at the moment, Judalyn. Okay. All right. I, somebody did that to me. Wait a second. You were supposed to give me two yeah. choices. You didn't give me two choices. This one, I, I didn't. I didn't. I figured, you, you, I figured you would have a song because you always speaking. You always speaking to me. So I thought you had a song ready. My bad. I'm sorry. The next one of the two, which would you prefer, a BMW or a Mercedes? Man, can, can I put a third choice in there? I'm, I'm more for muscle no. cars. Guy. Um, no, I know. I, I know. I know. I saw I saw your car, but I just wanted to throw um, you a wrench. I guess uh, uh, let's go with the Benz reluctantly. I'm more, okay. I'm more into the American muscle, but let, let's go with the Benz. Okay, goes with the Benz. Thank you. And this is not a, a one or two. You have question. What is your most annoying habit to others? My most annoying habit to others? Oh, my goodness. I have so many because so many people <laughs> find me annoying. It's hard to pinpoint what thing. What do I do? All right. So being from the Caribbean, I do suck my teeth a lot and I do it very, very loud. I think that's something <laughs> kids can't do. And I tend, to, right. I tend to do it whether it's out of annoyance or it's out of just a regular habit, even though I'm not annoyed. So right. I don't know. That, that maybe comes to mind. People are like, why are you sucking your teeth? I'm like, oh, I did. I okay. didn't even realize. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand with you um, and, and align with you with that because um, I do the same thing and people don't don't get it. It's just something that comes naturally to us, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah. So what I love about what you are doing, and I want you to share a little bit more uh, for our audience who are listening, the work you do with the CT schools in partnering the school system with businesses mm -hmm. and other organizations. How does that work and what is the purpose of it? Yes. Oh, man. So there are so many layers uh, connected to my job. There are so many different aspects. It's one of those jobs where it's not like a regular nine to five where you're doing the same routine tasks every day. There's just mm -hmm. so much involved at the student level, at the teacher level, at the city level, at the industry partner level. So just to give a full context, uh, you have many, many you have many public schools throughout New York City. You have schools at the elementary level, the middle school level, the high school level. You also have colleges and grad schools and so forth. So where New York City Department of Education comes in is that uh, we essentially have a network of about 130 high schools throughout the five boroughs. 
within these high schools, we have the CTE programs, the career and technical education programs. To the old timers listening to your podcast, we traditionally would Mm -hmm. refer to that as the vocational high schools. But the thing is, over the past uh, number of years, what we've done is we've rebranded what vocational education means. There has been this historically negative stigma attached to vocational education that it's for the kids who are not as bright as the academic kids. It's for the kids who are Mm -hmm. failing their classes and they don't know what else to do with their lives. That's been the, the notion attached to vocational education. But after meeting folks like yourself and many others within the building trades, you've come to realize that the building trades, it, it's, it, this is a, um, a, a comprehensive sector that deals with, there's so much involved in terms of intellect as well as dexterity, you know, and mm-hmm. we need industry involvement to make sure that our classrooms are heading in the right direction. We work exclusively at the high school level, And within the high schools, we have these CTE programs. Now, these high schools are not alternative high schools because a lot of times when we do these CTE high school fairs and we talk about CTE, parents think that this is an alternative system. It's not alternative. We are the regular public high schools that you see throughout New York City. But within the public Mm -hmm. high schools now, Students have a an option to go through a sequence of classes where they are majoring in a particular career subject. So the students that we work with, they're doing math like any other kid. They're doing science like any other kid. They're doing American history and global history. They're doing English. They're doing their gym classes. So they're mm-hmm. doing the same required academic classes as any other New York City high school student. But where CTE comes in now, is that student has the option to enroll in a sequence of classes where they pick a particular trade. Now, where I come in, I work uh, with the sectors that fall within automotive, within construction, and within engineering. Because we're so big on the trades and because they're so much involved in making sure that kids are properly prepared, we definitely need the involvement of industry. And this takes a lot of forms. We are big Mm -hmm. on work-based learning opportunities. We call them WBL opportunities for short. So what is a work-based learning opportunity? These are opportunities that we give our kids so that they get exposure to the different careers out there. As a kid gets older, he or she gets more exposure to more robust type of activities. At the freshman level, at the sophomore level, we're talking ninth and 10th grade, their work-based learning activity may just be a guest speaker. You may have somebody from industry, like a plumber or a carpenter, come to the classroom and uh, just give a speech about what their day is like, what their career is like, how they got into the industry. As a student now goes to the 10th, 11th, 12th grade, they start to do more hands-on type activities. So we enlist the help of industry so that we can do field trips. Uh, we ha- we set up trips so that students can get out the classroom and see what it's like in a facility, what it's like in a union training center, what it's like in a, in a wood shop and so forth. And most importantly, Um, And and what the kids love the most are the actual internships. And normally we have the seniors do the internships. So now imagine you have a young person. They've been spending the last three, four years of high school learning about plumbing, learning about electrical installation, learning about carpentry. We now pair them up with industry. 
We now send these young people to businesses out there throughout New York City where they can do the hands-on work. And the DOE, we have a system in place where we have a budget where we pay Mm -hmm. these young people. So it's absolutely no cost to the company that's working with our young people. And the young person, in addition to them learning and building upon their skills, they get to get paid as well. So we definitely always involve industry in what we do. In addition to internships, there's a lot of companies, they say, you know what, we may not have the capacity to work with a, with an intern. What else can we do to support the trades? What else can we do to support young people? Other okay. things that we do is curriculum reviews. And you've been to the commission meetings. You've seen how that works. We pretty much look at a school's curriculum. We look at the sequence of classes. We look at the different concepts that are listed there. And then we ask folks from the industry who have um, expertise within their particular sectors. We say, hey, let's get together. Let's look at this curriculum. Can you tell us what is the school doing correctly? What is it doing that's Mm -hmm. incorrect? Um, What are some of the antiquated Uh, concepts that we need to remove from this curriculum. Where is your industry headed and what are the the tools and and skill sets that we need to make sure that we teach our kids to make sure that they're properly prepared? So I wanted to ask you um, from what I've seen, on on your end, how does the students react after, let's say, two years of being in that program and Mm -hmm. getting the opportunity to meet trades, people in the trades and also to meet industry partners. Mm -hmm. How how have you seen the shift in their mindset Mm -hmm. and what they decide to go after if they decide to stay and continue on this path or Mm -hmm. they realize like, maybe this is not for me. What has, have you noticed in your experience? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, we have a wide variety of, of responses. So what, what I can say is, uh, for the most part, students who are enrolled within uh, CTE programs that relate to the building trades, they become absolutely astonished at how mm. difficult the trades are. This, this is not, these are not industries for folks who are lazy. These are not industries for folks who... Who are who don't want to put their mind to work? I mean, a lot of young people they they grow up thinking um, that there are certain professions where okay maybe I should go into becoming an attorney or a medical profession. Those are the intellectual professions, and then when they get a taste of the shop classes, when they get a taste of having to analyze diagrams and having to um, troubleshoot problems and how to yeah. how to solve various um, par- uh, predicaments that are ahead of them. They they realize, wow, this this is really really a tough profession, and they they now begin to gain more appreciation for it. The the thing is, they don't realize that the trades are so diverse. I mean, oftentimes when you mention construction to a young person who is not exposed to it, they think of a regular guy who's on the subway, his boots are dirty. They're like, okay, here's a guy who dropped out of high school and he's probably just moving a wheelbarrow around. They have no idea. Yeah, they have no idea of the amount of analysis and the amount of um, technical know-how that goes into these jobs. I think you're really right about that because I see their faces on their tr- on the train when I'm yes. on the train in my clothes, the way they look at me and uh, not realizing like plumbing has, I mean, especially for someone like myself who's dyslexic and struggled in math, mm-hmm. like I chose the profession that has so much math in it right. and 
And even though it, it's not my strength, I still realize that the trades is a place where your, your brain is always active. And I want to figure out, my passion is I'm starting with the young girls so mm-hmm. they can grow up thinking differently. Yeah. But what do you think is needed? And it, and, and it all, listen, we may not have the solution right now, but just your thoughts will help us to like turn the wheel a little, a mm-hmm. little and figure out how, what do you think we can do at an earlier age to change that portrayal of mm-hmm. what people think that my friends and my colleagues what we really are. What do you think is needed? Yeah. So we definitely need more and more involvement from industry professionals, um, from the women who are within these trades. When it comes to the commissions that I work with, so I I work with the Construction and Sustainability Commission, as well as the Engineering and Architecture Commission. So the commissions are basically um, a committee of various representatives from various uh, companies within uh, these sectors. And, you know, 55 to 60% of these commissions are actually women. And (laughs) we put together all sorts of programs where we consistently try to develop partnerships and relationships so so that our our girls could realize this is a viable career opportunity. And the girls, they need to see more women like you. And and the thing, uh, you know, Judalyn, you you are the perfect example of a womanly woman as well as a tradeswoman. Like you, you are somebody who demonstrates that you can be a feminine woman, but you can also be somebody who is very proficient in the trades. So what we've been doing is we try to put together various types of events, something similar to what you did. I remember when you did the, the fashion event at Bronx yeah, Design Construction called, Academy, right? Yes. When you it was had called Women at Work. Women, women at, at work. work, right. You did that mm-hmm. You did that event where, you know, we had all the girls in attendance and they were like, wow, I can be a construction worker too. And, and, and I can keep my glamour and I could still, you know, be a girly girl and all of that. So we have various uh, tradeswomen come to our classrooms. Uh, We try to do a lot of career days throughout the year. So um, I have... I've developed um, these various relationships with a number of different firms where I welcome them to the classroom to say, look, our students need to know about these career opportunities that are available. Come to our classrooms. We have days open out. The way our schools are built is that a lot Mm -hmm. of teachers, they are more than happy to give up some time where they could have been spending lesson planning or, or teaching where they'd have an industry professional just take over the class and just do a, a, a fireside chat about what, what life is like, what their career is like. We do various extracurricular programs. Um, we partner with non-traditional employment for women, where that's one of the programs that uh, we try to target uh, the girls as they enter in high school, um, as they're going to 10th grade. So the, the mm-hmm. younger uh, women, I recruit them throughout this the school year. And mm-hmm. I... I, I pair them up with various mentors from non-traditional employment for women, and they get to visit new headquarters. They get to meet um, alumni of the program as well. The internship programs is another great opportunity where our young women are able to see uh, various uh, females who are in leadership positions or in the field working. Uh, so we, we tried these various touch points, career days, internships, okay. workplace during opportunities. And by doing this and keeping the cycle going, more and more students can be aware that, you know, there's definitely opportunities ready for them. Yeah. So what made you from, you know, teaching history and uh, 
economics made you want to be an advocate and ally for the trades. How、mm. did you transition to that, or just like what piqued your curiosity to do this? Yeah, you know, I kind of fell into this industry, and my story—I I tell this story to everybody I talk to, and to all your、mm-hmm. listeners out there, to the young people, to the older folks. I always tell people: never ever think any job is beneath you. I was a、mm. teacher, and I thought that I was going to spend my entire career as a teacher. And I've learned growing up that no matter how hard you may try to. Plan out your life. There's just so many curveballs that that get thrown your way, and you have to roll with the punches. I went、yeah. to Brooklyn College to study to be a teacher, and I became a teacher at 21. And I thought, okay, I'm a teacher now. I'm going to spend the next 40 years of my life being a classroom teacher. And、okay. within just a couple of years, there were some budgetary issues with New York City, and I ended up losing my teaching job. And I had to try to find somewhere else to work because of, of budget cuts. Right? I got affected、mm-hmm. by that, and I sent my resume all over. And the only place I was able to get a job was with an organization outside of New York City Department of Education system. I, I got、okay. I ended up getting a job as a part time teacher at Brooklyn Public Library, and did this part time, no benefits. It wasn't、um, there's was no pension, there's nothing like that involved. It was just a part time job, and that job. I was contractual. It only lasted for about a year and change, and then I was out of work. And I went on Facebook, and I'm posting up all these statuses, and I'm like, "Hey, can anybody? Does anybody have any connections?" And I'm I'm applying to jobs on Craigslist, and I'm applying all over. So、right. I, I discovered the Workforce One Industrial and Transportation Career Center, and this is、uh, one of many career centers that exist throughout New York City to help job seekers find work. And I went in because I saw a flyer that they needed people to clean up Jamaica Bay after Hurricane Sandy. And Judalyn,、wow. I have a master's degree, and I went into, I responded to this flyer, and the job was paying eight dollars an hour.、Wow. I went in. As a master's degree holder, trying to get anything because I just was not having any interviews. I was not making any progress anywhere. So I figured, let me try this. I went into the career center. I think they only accepted the first fifty people for the job. I was maybe fifty first in line. Wow! So I'm just standing around. I'm feeling disheartened. And one of the recruiters said, "Hey,、um, you did you come in here for job services of、uh, job seeking services? Let me take a look at your resume." She looks at my resume. She saw that I was a teacher before, and she says, "Well, you know, within this office, we need somebody to teach work readiness. It's not as."、Um Sophisticated as what you were doing as a teacher, where you have to build a curriculum and and teach、right. 150 kids a day, but it's a job, and you know you have teaching experience. Would you be interested? So I said, yeah. So I now was being interviewed for a teaching position within this career center, where I would be teaching the job seekers work readiness. Now this、wow. job center, they focus specifically on getting. Job seekers' careers within manufacturing and construction. So this now becomes my first exposure to the industry. Just as I got the job, and by the way, I had to go through seven rounds of interview. 
And <laughs> you, you would have thought I'm applying to be the CEO or an, or an executive. It was right? a little, yeah, it was a little $40,000 a year job, you know, and I had to go through seven rounds, but um, thank God everything worked out. Um, all the interviews went well. They offered me the job. The very day I got offered the job, somebody in the office quit because he wanted to go into social work. My manager at the time says to me, Gav, you know, we gave you this option of being a work readiness instructor for our job seekers, but there's also this new job open where you would be an internship coordinator. I think you should take the internship coordinator job because instead of being in the office and teaching resume writing and uh, interviewing skills, the same lessons every day over and over and over, why don't you take the internship coordinator job? You get to work with industry partners. You get to work with young people. You get to be out in the office. You get to do site visits. And I said, all right, let me give it a shot. And Judalyn, I have no background whatsoever in the trades. None. <laughs> None. I don't, I mean, I couldn't tell you the difference. I mean, other than the basic handyman type stuff around the house, I, I that's not my background. And I made this very explicitly clear to, to management. They're like, ah, don't worry about that. You'll figure it out. So I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. And so that job as an internship coordinator now, it required me to visit what we call the CTE schools, which I never heard about at the time. And I would visit these different schools. I'd visit Williamsburg High School for Architecture and Design and Thomas Edison High School Mm. and Bronx International High School, all of these different schools that, that teach the building trades. And I would recruit the kids and I would focus more so on the soft skills side, you know, so I try to prep the kids with you know, how, how well they interview and doing their paperwork and that kind of stuff. But in addition to doing that stuff, we also had to get businesses and companies, organizations yeah. involved. So that's how now I got exposed to the various construction companies. That's how I got to find out about all the different electrical shops and the carpentry shops and the HVAC companies and so forth. So wow. it was through that job, I, I gained more exposure in the industry. And I'm telling you, I was just blown away by number one, how this is such a very, very rewarding job. I, I don't think I've ever met somebody within the building trades who says that they hate their job. I mean, I hear I that. All the, yeah, I, I hear it all the time with the office <laughs> workers. I don't really hear it for the construction workers. No, because the thing is what people don't, uh, some people, you know, if you listen to the sound of our voices and know nothing about construction, yeah. the most difficult thing about our jobs as construction workers is the elements and sometimes, uh, our co-workers sometimes but yeah. mostly the elements we yeah. really truly love what we do and mm-hmm. we really want the country and kids all around the world to understand that and i think it has to go we have to change policy and make it like europe and germany where both education is shown to have equal value but we really want and need a generation of kids to yeah. really pick up the tools. And I'm, I'm just so glad and happy that you, even though you're not part, you know, of the actually building with your hands, you was able to get a taste of it mm-hmm. and see what we do is not a stupid person thing. As some yeah. people want to think about us, you have to be really smart to build a building that mm-hmm. people enter and live and inhabit and Every single day they save. That takes a lot of skill. And, uh, you know, are you still, are you contented now and uh, that you made that, that switch from 
thinking that this was for you, a teacher for 40 years, get a pension, and now you have an ability to inspire young kids and also inspire industry to mm. like, hey, look at these kids. They might be, they they future workforce. Does Do you still f- love doing this? Yes, I, I definitely, I, I love it. And the thing is working within Department of Education's um, central office, it's been such a very easy transition for me. When I was an internship coordinator, I was able to develop Good relationships with a lot of public and private companies, as well as a lot of high schools. And I did that for several years. As a matter of fact, as time went on, people on my team, they either left the job to do other pursuits or they got promoted. And then by the time I was in my third year as an internship coordinator, I basically took over the program. Um, I was the one um, involved in everything student facing as well as company facing. And uh, I was very shocked when the leaders of that company asked me if I wanted to be the keynote speaker for graduation because normally they have a higher up person from you know some other organization do it and they're like Gab you know we see that you kept this program running would you like to be the keynote speaker and I was just very blessed to be presented with that opportunity so there's this running joke that I do where um I, growing up, growing up, I like Superman, and I actually okay. have the Superman outfit, right? right? So during my speech, I actually ended the speech by saying to the students within the auditorium, "You all wear an S on your chest." And the S means you're not only super, but you're also scholars because scholars at work was the name of the internship program. So mm-hmm. when I said that statement, I literally ripped open my shirt and I showed my Superman costume. Yes. And, and nobody was expecting that because these you, these events are, are normally very, very formal. And, and you know, so that, that was just very unexpected. And then everybody liked it. So it turns out when I did that, there was actually some DOE leadership in the room and I wasn't really paying attention to them. So... Right. That incident happened. Fast forward a couple of months, um, I ended up um, getting promoted within that same company. And then on LinkedIn, um, one of the, the senior directors reached out to me and they said, you know, Gav, we are expand- expanding the CTE department. Would you be interested? I'm like, of course I'm interested. So just like that, I was able to um, get a foot in the door within DOE. I showed up mm-hmm. to the Tweed building to be interviewed by the director's executive director, he walks in the room and he's like, wait a second, you're that Superman guy. I was, I, I, saw <laughs> you. I don't have to interview you. And he shakes my hand and says, you got the job. Just like that. That is, that so, is amazing. And by the way, Judalyn, this is what I, this is basically, I say all of this to say this. Remember, the reason I went into that, that career center was to respond to a job that was going to pay $8 an hour. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't be in this position. So it's been a, wow. it's been a very circuitous route, but if I had ignored the opportunity to work for eight dollars an hour, all of this work that I'm involved in, it wouldn't it wouldn't exist. That's why I always tell I, I tell young people all the time: no matter how humbling the job seems, no matter how simple it seems, no matter if you think you you are way above it, do it with your might, do it to your best of your ability, and you will advance. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I, you know, I grew up with my great grandmother taking me to Bible study every, 
youth Bible study on Friday, um, Sunday at church. And there's always a sermon sometimes that sticks in your head. And I remember this sermon about Joseph. And yes. it said that whatever he was, whatever station in life he was, he was the best at it. When he was a slave, he was good. When he was, And I've, since uh, growing up, I always lived my life like that. And mm -hmm. I, I was a housekeeper. I was a nanny. I was a babysitter. I was a you know, personal shopper. I, you know, you know, I went to CT school, you know, in Trinidad, I went to trade school yeah. and, you know, did plumbing, but I didn't get back into plumbing right away when I get to the United States. Mm -hmm. And I did all of those things. And while I did every single job, like you saying, I actually liked it. Like I didn't yeah. like not like my job. And I felt like if you are humble in this situation, and it doesn't mean that you you can be humble and say, this is what I want to do and I want to be a housekeeper and that could be it. For some people, that's it, right? And, and and that's great. But sometimes when you step out in faith and say, you know what, I'm going to apply for that eight-hour job and now look at me, right. Gaviscar, right. right? Running right. a CTE program that are getting mm -hmm. kids and, and young women interested yeah. in trades. And what I loved about you, what I had seen was you really... Like a lot of people talk the talk, but they don't really walk it. And mm -hmm. what I liked about what you do is you really push really hard for young girls to be exposed to careers in the trade. Mm -hmm. And uh, my daughter actually, uh, she met you in one of these. Yes, yes, I yes. One, and she was telling me she's like, "You should meet this guy." He's, and you know, he's all about getting women in the trades. And she's like going on, and she was so impressed with you that you were out there, uh, really pushing the agenda for women uh, mm -hmm. and young girls to be exposed in the trades. And I just want to find a way uh, to shout it out on the mountain tops that parents, we have to find a way to make parents in this country do not think that their kid studying or choosing to be a construction worker is less mm -hmm. than and yep. they're not smart. And I want to figure out a way. I see you doing it with what you're doing, but we want more of the industry partners that are listening. If you listen to our voices, reach out, reach out and and help Gav. Some of these schools, the CT schools, they don't have you know modern construction equipment to right. work on. Right. Reach out. And he he. One of my favorite orders is uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And you exemplify being a connector and all of that. You know what I mean? And he will connect you with the schools that need help. Some of these schools need new plumbing fixtures, new electrical right. stuff. They need industry. Reach out and let us be part of building the kids up in this country together. And Gav, I am, you know... You really, you know, sometimes you do something for someone and you have no idea the ripple effect. Oh. You made sure I had a place to have camp and you partnered me with the most awesome brother, Kayon Price. Yes. And he opened up his school, you know, to let me teach the girls there. And you don't realize if you ever look on our website, what the girls say, because they went to camp, you have girls like Tenzera Rashad. She went to end up going to CT school and now she's going to go to, to college to do architecture and engineering because mm, right. she was able to come to camp. So you're thinking it's me, but you play a part and all of us play a part in pushing that agenda to get kids excited about this beautiful mm. industry. It's yeah. beautiful. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy and it's not difficult being a woman of color with an right. accent. 
It was not easy, but it's so worth it. And I would, hands down, any day, Gav, choose this, this path over and over again. Mm. And I want to know, like, what if anybody's listening to us, what would you want us to help you with? How can we help you? to keep encouraging these kids and their parents to consider the CTE schools and the careers in the trades as an option. What mm. can we do to help you? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I would say that uh, we definitely we want the parents to keep an open mind about the opportunities available within the trades. Uh, just to give you one example, STAR, you have science, technology, and research. We call it STAR. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the schools in our CTE portfolio. What they've been doing is they've been having parent-teacher night where they have industry involved in those. So traditionally, that was just it would just be the parents and the teacher talking about the grades, but we've actually had CTE nights where the parents... Okay. the teacher and industry get together. The last time I did an activity like that, we had uh, women from Con Edison and women from New York City Transit and women from local three electricians come together and uh, do a presentation to the parents and the kids in the room about their career trajectories. And for the yeah. time being, while you know we're practicing social distancing and everything is virtual, uh, we do have a website um, dedicated to CTE. It's uh, www.cte.nyc. So that website gives uh, an overview of the various programs and schools that we have. And we also have a, a menu of options where we basically mm-hmm. just have a list of different ways in which um, different folks can participate to help um, our programs. I try to use LinkedIn a lot where I always post updates as well. And I have this massive distribution list where I tell industry folks and and partners and parents and whoever, if you want to um, keep within the loop of what the needs of schools are and different ways you can contribute, different ways you can offer a lending ha- um, lend hand, you can uh, be added to my distribution list. So folks can simply just shoot me an email or send me a message okay. on LinkedIn and I can, and I can um, as you say, make all the connections. Yeah. And, and also I, w- I wanted to add um, and when you were, the stuff that you were saying about how much you like the trades and whenever you think about the names of some of these uh, unions, you, you see that the word brotherhood is, is within yeah. the name. And I must say that even though I'm an outsider, I really feel that in working with different unions, the different um, professionals, I actually feel like I'm a part of that. You know, I feel like I'm a part of the brotherhood of unions. I feel like I'm a part of that sisterhood in working with, with the new and the various uh, different uh, professionals from the industry. There's never been a time where I've needed needed an internship placement or somebody to review curriculum or a guest speaker where I didn't have a lot of people from especially the building trades participate. And the thing is, we work with various sectors. You know, we work with healthcare, with IT, with culinary graphic design, but hands down, I, I, I mm-hmm. honestly feel that it's the folks from the construction sector who are always the most willing and the most passionate yeah. about their industry. You have passionate people from all sectors, but I've never mm-hmm. seen it to the extent that I do within the building trades. And I honestly yeah. feel like I'm, I'm a part of, um, of a family 
you know. Yeah, and, definitely, definitely. We 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 are family. And 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 in some of the panel discussions that I've hosted, where I've had you know um, the the iron workers and the, the the sheet metal workers, I've had various different trade unions uh, uh, speak on my panels, and I agree with them. I, I can think of no other profession that is a viable, feasible pathway that it takes you from the lower class into the middle class. And I've I've seen it. I, I, Instantly, I, I've seen it. yes. I mean, I am I am living proof of that, Gav. Yeah. I grew up uh, really, really poor in Trinidad and Tobago, and yeah. uh, now my life has totally changed because I am a union uh, plumber, and every day I get to shout from the mountaintops to people that mm-hmm. the lifestyle that I have is because of mm-hmm. my, you know, being a member of a union, and I yeah. believe in it so much that my daughter is also in the trades. She didn't follow me into plumbing mm-hmm. uh, a friend of ours that you know also stole her and she's a sheet oh, yeah, metal your daughter's worker. sheet metal right <laughs> yes yep, yep, so she's a sheet, yep. yeah she's a sheet metal worker and yes. uh she i could see the pride in her like totally shift since she became uh, a union sheet metal worker she her confidence level is just totally different and that is what i love about the trades and uh if you get your kids or, uh, excited about it it really shifts their mind and they walk through the world really confident yep. because there's nothing more empowering than being able to master tools man it's 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 addictive it's addictive Mm-hmm. And uh, before we leave, I have, you know, we're going through this difficult time of, um, you know, the pandemic. And I believe that the earth, it was her way of crying out for healing. Mm. But how has this pandemic changed the way you navigate your workspace and the way you deal with people? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's, it's a mixed bag, you know. Uh, some of the good mm-hmm. things I must say uh, working with DOE is that, um, thank goodness, uh, we've been able to work remotely and we will be working remotely indefinitely. I'm not really quite sure when schools are going to open up again, but uh, we're we're still continuing with the learning process. Um, there has been some logistical problems in terms mm-hmm. of distributing devices, making sure that all the kids have access to the internet, making sure that all the kids have working devices because not every home has that, but we're still pushing forward. Uh, We have a community of CTE teachers who love the trades, and they are very, very adamant in terms Mm -hmm. of uh, making sure that their kids uh, do not become disengaged. Um, Our Mm -hmm. teachers, they're still making the phone calls. They're still sending out the emails. They're doing um, check-ins with the kids, with the parents. The CTE shop classes, obviously, it it is more difficult compared to the academic subjects because we really want the kids to be in shop classes, working with their hands. But what we've been trying to do is gather various uh, virtual uh, resources for our kids. So for construction, for example, they have a nicer online curriculum. I know for our young people who are within Mm -hmm. the Edward J. Molloy Initiative, I know they're doing the multi-craft core curriculum, the MC3 curriculum, uh, which is being moved online. We have our engineering kids uh, using PLTW, Project Lead the Way. So there's a, there's various um, online mm-hmm. resources out there. Our CTE teachers, they're also using Google Classroom. They're having the kids do a lot of studying through watching videos and stuff like that. So the, the learning process, it's, it's not as ideal as we want it to be, but it's still continuing. And of course, okay. you know, I love, I love the commission meetings. I love being able to see you and the various 
uh, school partners and industry partners together. That has to come to an end for the time being. Yeah, we should like after all of this is over, uh, we should have a, a big barbecue and <laughs> invite our partners and the parents know. And uh, a lot of amazing things happen yeah. over food. You're oh, from yeah. the, you know, you know, the islands. Come on, yes. you know, food surrounds everything. And that way people get to know each other, talk to each other. The kids get to meet uh, the superhero trades people like myself. Mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's rejoice when all of this is is over. And I have one final question for you. Like, I really like the final, this from people. Mm-hmm. What fuels your soul? Like every day, this is like what you do that ensures, you know, every day that ensures that your soul is enriched? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, on my LinkedIn page, I have a, a Bible verse there, which says, if you're faithful over the little things, God will make you ruler over many things. So um, like you, I I believe in service. I believe in, in service and leadership. My mother has a very, very similar background as you and and so does my father. We are all folks that we came from a third world country, pretty much. We came to New York and uh, my dad, he worked on Utica Avenue in Brooklyn, washing pots and pans. This was a man who taught engineering and drafting um, back in Mm -hmm. Jamaica. His credentials weren't recognized when he first came to America in, in the 90s. And he he never complained. Any job that was given mm-hmm. to him, he did it. He worked in, in gas stations. He worked as a customer rep in auto parts store. And he made it work for him. And over the years, he was able to save up, get a car, get his own house. He retired. He's going to um, he's gonna retire, I should say, shortly. And, you know, he's, he's basically built a new career uh, for himself um, ever since he's came to America. He's had a, wow. um, a, a wonderful career um, with uh, Fort Lauderdale Airport. So he basically had to start over as a middle-aged man when he came here. He had to start all over, and then he still made it work for him. My mother, similar wow. situation. She came up to America when she was young. She was a nanny, a babysitter, uh, babysitting for the, the richer couples in Jersey, Long Island, Manhattan, you know, and she tried real estate for a little while. That didn't work out for her. She decided in her 30s to go back to school. And she didn't think that she was too old, you know, in her mid-30s. And she ended up getting a couple of masters. And she... And, you know, she's a, a psychologist now in her, in her field. So I come from a, a household of people where they they don't make excuses. They don't complain, you know. And they just make it happen. They just make it happen, you know. And my own story, again, where I've been out of work and just trying to get any job and for me to just try to take anything that comes my way and make the best out of it, I, I surely realize that if you are somebody that if you are humble and if you do your job to the best of your ability. And if you put other people first, if you are very customer service oriented, your life will be just so much more fulfilling. I'm just very, very blessed to be in a position uh, with Department of Education where I feel like I can be of service to schools, service to industry partners, because it, yes. is, it is through serving people that you can actually make a, a, a real impact on the community and society. Enriches your soul. So you, that's what you, your service 
is what makes drives you every day and enriches. Yes, for sure. And and as you say, I mean, to be able to see the fruits of your labor as well. I mean, again, I'm I'm not somebody who I don't build any buildings myself, but to be able to promote the trades and see the young people get into the industry and to see them build the infrastructure for them to be able to look at buildings and different equipment that they work with and say, you know what, I'm the one who built that, and to know that I was a part of that, you know, that's very very rewarding. To hear that your tools and Tiara's program, your summer camps are going well. You know, I like to be able to see the fruits of my labor. And I'm I'm just very, very honored that um, because of the efforts of me and the different folks I work with, that we can make these things happen. Yes. Thank you again so much for being a hero and um, stepping up for me. And you may not know it, but uh, a divine hand was in that because I was mm. literally lying on the floor. Like I plan stuff and I, I do, I, I, this is what I do in my brain. And I lie there and I'm crying. I'm like, okay, where am I going to have camp? Right. I might have to take it all the way to Pennsylvania Uh-oh. and have it in my backyard. Oh, no, you know, no. I'm serious <laughs> because I can't cancel it. That's, that's not my person. And you stepped up and you not only, like I said, you just, you went with me to all these places mm. and introduced me to the most, an, another amazing brother that hopefully soon I can get him on the pat, um, the oh, podcast. Yes. Yes. That's Mr. K.M. Price. So, so Principal K.M. Price, he's the man. He's spoken yeah. on my panels as well. He he um, established the Brooklyn Steam Center. Yeah, he's, he's a great yes, guy. He's, he's amazing. So I want to say to you, thank you. And I'm not just thank you for me, but thank you from all the little girls who had their first summer camp with us and they never look back and they keep coming and they keep inviting their friends and mm. we, I get to live my life in service to these girls and to push the thing that I love really, really much. I love being a plumber. And again, thank you for taking time out of, you you know, during this time to talk to our community and let them know the work that you are doing and others around us are doing. And if you're interested in helping Gav and what he's doing, he's on LinkedIn. You can Google him and find Mm -hmm. him on LinkedIn, but we'll have links in the podcast Mm -hmm. with uh, the website and his uh, LinkedIn follow like and share what he's doing because together we can continue to teach kids the power of the trades. Thank you. Have a blessed day. All right. Thanks, Jodalyn. Take care. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Tradeswoman Talk Podcast. Stay connected with us directly through www.toolsandtierras.org. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Tools and Tierras. I always follow them. I always follow them. If you would like to connect with us, please send us an email through info at toolsandtierras.org. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, make sure you let someone know how magnificent they truly are.